Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. It was 20 years ago when he wrote an article that said very often professional financial advisors can guess with high accuracy what investment plan clients would show them even before they saw it because they realized clients were often being sold investment opportunities that just follow the latest investment trends dig a little deeper behind that phenomenon and you come up against the compensatory models uh, behind financial institutions and financial advisories my guess is christopher tan in 20 years ago he wrote that article that pulled the curtain back on a whole web of compensation that may be unseen to many consumers an article that really opened our eyes to compensation issues christopher tan's article then helped us understand how commissions from clients could lead to situations of potential conflict of interest between the interests of clients firms and their representatives so why does this matter to you today to what extent are the products that you've been advised to buy motivated by product commissions or maybe sales incentives now just last month christopher tan reiterated his stand in an article in the business times he said and i quote my stand remains that commissions are the biggest source of conflict of interest for the financial advisory industry well we have the man himself joining us live so i don't have to quote him anymore welcome christopher tan ceo of provident how are you this morning Hi, good morning, Michelle. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Now, your 2016 BT article, I remember more than ruffled feathers, Chris. I believe it sparked quite a bit of debate. That article was titled "Don't Be a Victim to Wealth Management." So, you were very mm. successful, part of this whole industry. Why did you decide to pull the curtain back, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, at that time, I guess I was really frustrated then on the way products are being pushed to consumers, and usually based on the latest theme or trend in town. And it actually brought to mind what happened in the late nineties or early to, uh, early two thousand. I'm sure you remember that, Michelle, where plenty of uh, tech-based unit trusts were launched mm. just before the peak of the tech bubble burst. And I just thought I wanted to write an article to warn investors not to fall victim to this kind of sales tactics again. So, why revisit this whole theme in 2023? Are you seeing similar trends? Yeah, actually, I, I, I mean, I wrote the repeat the article firstly because uh, I think my thoughts were more matured already, and uh, I realized that people are not too sure about how advisors are compensated, even though I wrote something like that 20 years ago. And also, yes, you know, in recent months, uh, I mean, we are seeing some teams. Uh, I mean, there are many, but the latest one would be investing in the equities of companies who are directly de- developing AI. Mm-hmm. Or linked with uh, artificial intelligence, and mm-hmm. uh, because of this search of AIs, I think companies such as semiconductor makers, uh, some select uh, software companies that can provide AI services are benefiting from these latest trends. And as a result of this, uh, we see the Nasdaq Composite rising by 33 percent thereabout for the first half of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody started to have a lot of interest in uh, the tech industry again. And I, I'm hearing people. You know, putting lots of money in tech. So, I mean, this is a team that is forming up, and I'm just worried that something like 2000 will happen again. Very interesting. It is a big catch-all these days. People thinking AI is where the money is. What do you think are some of the problems investing based on the latest trends brings with it? 
Yeah, I mean, there are a few. Uh, firstly, the trend may not be sustainable. I mean, just like the tulip mania in uh, 1600, I believe, and uh, mm. like I mentioned, the tech bubble burst in 2000. I mean, back in those days in 2000, and people were just investing into any uh, companies with a dot-com or net, or dot net behind them. I'm sure you remember that, yes. right? I mean, some of these companies, they may not even have a good business, but because of all this hype, many of investors, they just... Uh, you know, run to these companies. And when the bubble burst, they lost their capital. And I mean, why did they lose their capital? Because a lot of them were just buying these companies when the prices are unreasonably inflated. So I mean, these are some of the problems, uh, just believing in trends. I'm not saying don't invest, but I think we should not just be caught on with the hype. I think we still need to have that asset location. I mean, you want to invest in it at a small location, but not just rushed in based on uh, the, the hype and the trend that everybody is talking now. All right. So your article, you know, what stood out for me was that you say in 2016, we can guess with accuracy what sort of plans our clients are going to come to us to ask us to evaluate because you're aware of these, you know, big investment themes that are sort of floating around. But if you dig a little deeper behind it, the question is, why are all these products suddenly being sold? And uh, you link in the article compensatory models. Help mm. us understand why mm. you think it's important that consumers understand how financial advisors are compensated. I mean, first of all, I think we need to know uh, how they are compensated. I wrote an article, like I mentioned, because uh, people were still not sure about how advisors are compensated. But I think the important thing is that we need to know that there are two groups of people here that we are talking about. First would be the, the financial institutions. I mean, there are three ways that financial institutions are compensated. Commission-based, fee-based and fee-only. And people often mix up fee-based and fee-only. Fee-based means that the financial institutions charge a fee for advice, but they also take commissions. Whereas for fee-only, there is no commission. 100% is just by fee. One word makes uh, all the difference, right? Fee-based and fee-only. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is not my definition. Globally, it's defined like that. Um, I'm referring to financial institution earlier. Uh, how about the representatives, right? The mm. financial advisors themselves. Now, besides being commission-based, fee-based or fee-only, we hear of advisors who are salary-based uh, salary as well. And I think it's important to understand very clearly how advisors and their firms are remunerated because, I mean, compensation plays a, a, a big role in driving behavior that can create conflict of interest for the firms, their representatives and their client. And this whole topic of remuneration, it's so important that you know, MES deals with it in the Financial Advisors Act. And as you mentioned, uh, I still maintain my stand that commission is the biggest source of the conflict of interest. But I'm not saying that financial institutions and reps who receive commissions are not honest. But I mean, we just have to recognize the fact that there is this uh, temptation for us, if you are paid commission for the product, to always recommend or to recommend something that may benefit us instead of the client. So there's always this temptation. Yeah. So if we have the Financial Advisors Act to guard against remuneration leading to conflict of interest issues, why then as consumers do we need to understand how financial advisors are compensated? I think it's important for us to know. Um, I mean, I don't think that any financial advisor, even for fee-only advisor, can say. I mean, I'm a fee-only advisor. Mm. I can't even say that I have no conflict of interest. I mean, we all have some conflict of interest, right? I mean, even for a a fee-only advisor like myself, the conflict can be present. For example, if I unnecessarily churn out more work so that I can charge the clients more, 
I can, in a way, you know, calculate and sort of like increase the amount that the client should invest so that I can charge more. There's always that conflict of interest, but I think it's important for consumers to know that conflict of interest and ask their advisors, how are they going to mitigate for it? I think that's the most important question to ask. If you know that your advisors is conflicted, then ask them, how are they going to mitigate their conflict of interest so that you know that they are always giving you advice that is in your interest and not theirs. If, if commissions seem to be adding to the pressure to move in a certain direction and lead to conflict of interest, what are your views mm. on whether or not we should ban commissions and if mm. all financial advisors should perhaps charge a fee for advice? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, uh, as a fee-only firm, over the last 20 years, we realized that our biggest limitation was that we were only able to serve the more affluent families. Right. right? Because it is only the more affluent families that have got financial problems or situations that are complex enough that they should pay a fee for advice. Mm -hmm. However, for people who may be younger, their wealth may not be so huge, their problems are a lot simpler. Going to a fee-only advisor may not uh, be really worth your money, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes we get sometimes we get people that come to us, uh, the younger ones, uh, and you know we have to unfortunately turn them away because it's really not worth it for them to pay money to get advice from us. Perhaps the more cost-effective way is for them to go and get advice still from a commission-based advisor. But well, it is important then that they know, or as I mentioned, how these advisors are mitigating their conflict of interest. Right, so I don't think we should ban commission outright because if we do that, then a lot of people, um, the mass market or the men in the street uh, may not have access to advice. But what is more important again is for advisors like ourselves to mitigate the conflict if we have a conflict and mm-hmm. for consumers to ask their advisors how they can mitigate that conflict. I want to pick up on that last point. Is it really possible for the average consumer like me to get mm. information I need on whether or not my advisor or the products or the tools that they're selling me come with sweeteners or commissions? Uh, you can. Well, firstly, if you're right, and in a financial, advi- uh, uh, financial advisor's act, uh, it's even there to say that you know uh, advisors should share with their clients how they are remunerated. And in fact, if you are, for example, Michelle, buying an insurance policy, mm-hmm. uh, the benefit illustration will show that uh, effects of deduction, which effectively is the distribution cost, uh, like commissions, right? So you can actually know it from the benefit illustration. Mm. You can even ask your advisor to explain it to you, uh, the amount of commission that he is receiving. You can always ask the advisor, why not the other product? I mean, that's why we do a lot of this kind of uh, financial literacy program on radio. Mm. You can ask your advisor, why are you uh, selling me a, a whole life plan, for example, and not a term is cheaper? Why are you selling me a more expensive unit trust? How much commission you are making? Uh, these are your rights and you have every right to ask them. Gold questions right there. Besides compensation, Chris, what are some other factors that we need to keep in mind before we choose a financial advisor? I think besides compensation, uh, there are a few more things because just because uh, uh, I mean, an advisor is paid a fee, it doesn't mean this person is competent, right? I mean, it just removes that conflict or minimizes that uh, conflict. But I think there are a few things to consider uh, before you decide an advisor, one would be credibility, yeah. which comes from their academic and professional trainings, their knowledge and experience. Um, and the second factor would be reliability. And that means checking whether your advisor means what he says and say what he means. Is he reliable? And the third factor is what I call intimacy, which is how your advisor is able to show empathy 
to really understand your deepest needs, aspirations and concerns over and above just your financial needs. But you might also want to consider the institution that your advisor come from because besides compensation, I think you need to ask questions on how uh, the companies that they represent build an advisory and not just a sales culture. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? How are you an advisory and not a sales culture? I mean, how, how would I as a consumer be able to dig into that? Right. So one way to know that is whether that particular financial institution focus on sales awards. I mean, in the insurance mm-hmm. industry, it will be awards like MDRT, COT, you know, call of the table and all that. I mean, nowadays, a lot of advisors have a Facebook, they have their LinkedIn. You can observe what they post. I mean, if all the time is focusing on all these things, sales awards, incentive, uh, incentive trips that they go, mm-hmm. you know, the culture is not really an advisory culture. It's more a, more, more a sales culture, right? So, I mean, these are things that uh, you can observe. And I mean, the other thing which I didn't mention is also you can also observe whether the advisors, the firm that they represent institutionalizes its practice. And how do you do that is, I mean, you can ask, you know, if I go and see three of your other colleagues and tell them exactly the same thing from your company, mm. would I walk out with exactly the same advice? You know, so these are important things because... And the answer should uh, be yes, right? The answer should be yes, mm-hmm. because then it tells you that the firm has consistency, best practice in giving advice. Got it. These are goal questions. We thank you, Christopher, for the transparency and for helping us think through a really important issue. He's Christopher Tan, CEO of Provident. Have a great day, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.